And but we know that Jesus was patient and gracious in the midst of his hour. And we are promised trials. We learn that in Daniel. We see that everywhere. We're promised that life is not gonna be easy. But how we go through those trials is so important. And how we uh, interact with those people around us when we're going through this is so important because we can either build people up or we can tear them down. We can either see this life and that these, these trials are coming, but we're not left alone. God is with us in these and we can either see it as a blessing that he is using these things, as James says, to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We can see it as that or we can become bitter and it's very easy to become bitter. Even when you're going through a trial and you're feeling blessed for five days, day six comes around and you're a little bitter. It happens to the best of us. It happens to all of us, but it's so important to know how Jesus went through things, but more importantly, how he talked to the people around him when he was going through it, when he was hours from death, how he talked to them. And it's so cool when we look at the life of the apostle Peter. Um, in my like Bible reading plan this week, it, First Peter came about, and we talked about Peter, how Jesus talks to him in John 13 um, and tells him, hey, you're gonna deny me. And Peter even stands up and said, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. And, Peter, and Jesus says, I, I have to do this. You have to let me lead you and teach you. And ultimately we know that Peter does deny Jesus three times on the night of his crucifixion in a few hours. But then ultimately that Jesus, after he rises from the dead, meets Peter, forgives Peter, restores Peter, and molds him into the rock that Jesus called him when he first met him. Peter, you're the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. So I wanna read 1 Peter 1, 21 through 23, because if Jesus didn't mold Peter then, he wouldn't have written this to us decades later, written to the church. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not to perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. I just love that because this is what Jesus was teaching them because ultimately love requires others. And he said that to them. He showed it to them that night. Um, sorry, my mic did that thing and I don't know. I can't not be confused by it. Um, but love requires other people. And we see that Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Behold the Son of God washing feet. I've still been saying that to myself over and over this week as I've been looking for opportunities to love and serve other people, starting in my own house with my own family. But Peter gets this decades later when he writes this, like this is what we're called to do. Love one another with a brotherly love, an earnest love because we have been born again, because we're being obedient to the truth. So we see that Jesus's teachings have lasted decades and have also lasted because me and you are here today preaching and proclaiming his name still thousands of years later. Love requires others. Jesus washed feet and he loved his until the very end. And what we learned last week is that there's promises attached to this. They're not just good teachings, but Jesus said, you'll be blessed if you do it. He promised us. If you do what I ask, you will be blessed if you do it. And then the second one is this, that everyone will know you're my disciples if you do what I ask you to do. If you're obedient to me, everyone will know that you are my disciples. It is evangelism without even talking. It is just loving and serving others and people around are saying, this is, this is weird. You guys love each other. You, you're putting someone else before yourself all the time and that's what Jesus asked us to do. 
And in chapter 14, he leans in more. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And we're gonna go through a lot of scripture today because Jesus said all of this, so I don't think we should skip any of it. But John 14, one through 11 is where we're gonna start. Um, Stand with me if you're able as we read God's word. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Jesus, you are the word made incarnate, took on flesh. You are the word of God. So Lord, your word doesn't need any help from me today. Your truth can penetrate hearts and change lives. So Lord, I pray that you would mold us into a people who love and serve you. I pray today that you would hide me behind your word because the messenger is never more important than the one who sent him. So Lord, help us today to be molded by your word, to be shaped by it, to be encouraged, to be challenged. And Lord, I pray today that if anyone does not know that you are the way, that you would save them today. So Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're gonna break that down a little bit over this passage today. But in that, there's everything we need to know. That Jesus is the way. Jesus is God. We went through that uh, back in December, but God the Son became a human in Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. And he says this plainly here, that I am the only way. That one day when each one of us dies, eternity is a real thing. There is heaven and there is hell. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. Only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross, that he is Lord, that he rose again, can we be saved. And it's, while that is mind-blowing, it's also that simple of us declaring that Jesus is Lord, that I cannot work my way to heaven. I am not good enough. I deserve hell for what I have done. If we were to put everything I've done up here, you'd be like, yep, 100%. And that's the truth for all of us. We are selfish people when we are left to our own devices. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And so Jesus came himself. He didn't send somebody else. He sent himself to come and die for my sin. And because he's perfect, 
because he was a spotless lamb and because his blood is so powerful and that he is an infinite being, not only could he take my sin and forgive them, but everyone in this room and everyone who would turn to him. And that's the beauty of the gospel because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. I want you to think about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and put the word only in front of all of them. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And Jesus is all of these. So we must believe that. And that feeds into the second one. Jesus is truth. If Jesus is God, then we know that he is perfect, that he is always telling the truth. Jesus is not like a man that he should lie or like a man that he should change his mind. He is 100% truth. There's not a shadow of change about God. None of it. And because of that, we must know that his words are true, and this is the word, so this is true, and we lean on this for everything that we need. And Jesus says, believe in me. He's even saying that to the 11 at the table, believe in me. And if you don't believe, do you remember everything I did in the last three years? Help that make you believe. Believe in the works themselves, is what Jesus said. So if we believe that he's the way, the truth, then we must believe that he is the life. And that's really where I want us to land as believers today. But if you don't know Jesus, I pray that today that you, today would be your day of salvation, that you would submit to him as Lord, that he is the only way. He is our only hope in life and death. But if Jesus is our only hope in eternity, the life he's talking about is eternal, but also today. Like I am the only life, the best life, the most joy-filled, blessed life we have is living in full submission and obedience to Jesus. The flourishing, thriving, whatever word you like. But do you trust Jesus is the question I want us to continue asking ourselves as he teaches us these things. But today, do you trust him that he is the life? Like the best possible life you can have on this earth is living in submission to him, in serving others, in washing feet. It's what he did. It's what he told me to do. And I'm asking myself, do I believe that? Because what ultimately happens is when I sin, it's just when I don't believe it. It is me saying, well, no, I kinda, like 99%, but I don't really wanna do that today. Do I trust Jesus? The beautiful thing about the gospel is he knows my heart and he knows your heart. So today, if we walk out with anything, it's this prayer from Mark 9:24. I do believe, help my unbelief. I love that prayer. I do believe, help my unbelief. And praise the Lord for his grace and mercy because he meets us where we're at and helps us trust him a little more every day. Molds us into Jesus a little more every day. So let's move on to John 14, 12 through 14. Jesus says this, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus starts this verse again with truly because Jesus is the truth. And I don't know about you, but usually if anybody says, trust me, I immediately trust them less than I did before they said that. That's just like human beings, if anyone's just like, just trust me. I'm like, absolutely not, not at all. And this brought to mind, I only, I've only watched this on TV with it edited, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The entire premise of that movie is Ferris telling his friend Cameron, trust me, it's gonna be fine, the whole time. And then I just thought about this scene where they go into Cameron's dad's garage and they open the garage 
and there, behold, is the 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California. And Ferris is like, let's just drive it around. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Just trust me. And it just goes bad from there. But then really the kicker is when they go park it downtown and this guy, the valet, meets him and he walks around and he looks like he just got out of jail 100%. And he's like, relax, I'm a professional. And I'm like, I don't understand why you guys left that car with that guy. But that's normally how, that's how life is. When anybody says, trust me, I'm like, I don't trust you. But Jesus is not like any other people, but he knows that we need to be told that, like, trust me. He said, believe me, believe in the works themselves, and truly I tell you. So anywhere in here where you see verily, verily in your text, or truly, truly, or truly, pay attention, because Jesus is saying, I know you're doubting in this moment. I know that people have let you down when they've told you to trust you, but not me. Trust me. Trust me. Look to the works. So he says, trust me. And here he tells us about praying, he, uh, praying in Jesus' name. But before that, he even tells, like, man, verse 12 is crazy. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is talking to the 11 disciples. Judas has already left. The one who will betray him is off, had left at that point. And Jesus is saying, guys, I want you to trust me. Like, you're gonna do what I did. I can't imagine being these guys. Philip and Thomas have already talked and Peter here, like, you're gonna do what I did and even greater. And we know through Acts and through ever other passages of scripture that this happened. Like, they were healing people after the Holy Spirit descends on them at Pentecost. We're told that cloths touched Peter and people took those home and it healed people. Like, the supernatural is happening and things, people are being healed, blindness is being cured, the lame are walking because of the apostles, because the Holy Spirit is empowering them to do this. But also today, we know that this is true because, like, the church is God's plan, us. Jesus literally said, it's better if I leave earth and equip my believers with the Holy Spirit because it will spread like wildfire. The gospel through believers being shared through our everyday interactions, thousands of years later, we know it works. And we must trust Jesus because believe for the works themselves. When we read this, believe for the works themselves. Believe because we see we're here in 2022 after these 11 guys went and shared the gospel after Jesus ascended into heaven. Like, it works, it works. And so we know that that's true, but that is a crazy statement that they don't believe, and Jesus has to say that again and again and again. He says everything to the disciples a few times, which gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of hope for myself. But he tells us how to pray, praying in Jesus' name. Now, I hate to tell you, and you probably know that you've prayed for things in Jesus' name that did not come true, and it was probably a good thing. You've prayed for a million dollars, or prayed for a car, or prayed for anything. Maybe you prayed for a Ferrari 250 GT, California, I don't know. But that does not mean saying in Jesus' name that you have prayed in Jesus' name. I like this quote. Um, it says, praying in Jesus' name means praying in a way consistent with his character and his will. A person's name in the ancient world represented what the person was like. And that's what praying in Jesus' name looks like. Praying in a way that sounds like Jesus would have prayed that. And that's what we're told. If you pray in my name this way, which he's telling the apostles here, if you pray this way, with faith, what, how you've seen me pray over these last three years, like, we're gonna come through. God's power is manifested through these prayers, through the apostles, so that people would believe, and they used it. But the 
best way that we can know if we're praying in Jesus' name according to his will is this. I, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do your prayers focus on God's glory is a good way to know. Like, is your prayer asking that God be glorified through something? And that's a good test of it. But um, James 4 tells us um, also how we can pray the wrong way. So I'm gonna read this, James 4, 3. Uh, you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And how guilty I am sometimes of praying that way. But the good thing about uh, the grace of our Lord is that the more we pray, the more our prayers align with the heart of Christ. I guarantee it, the more you pray, the more your prayers will sound like Jesus. When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you actually, you believe it. You're teaching it to yourself and you're putting it into practice that we're praying for the kingdom of God. We are praying for selfless things, not selfish things. Praying for the glory of God. And so he tells us to pray that way. And I love how gracious he is uh, over and over and over to know our hearts, to know that we're sinful and that we need his forgiveness in all of this and he equips us. On to verse four, or 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. This is the part where we really wanna focus that Jesus is the life. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Jesus does not want us to just follow him and do what he says just cause. It needs to be obedience fueled by love. Fueled by love, otherwise we're missing the point. But he calls us to live this life that he modeled. He set an example of and he's called us to live this similar life. Obedience fueled by love. Love that is focused on others because that's the only true love where you love someone and you serve someone, where you wash somebody else's feet without being served yourself. That's real love and that's what he's asking us to do. I must love Christ more than myself. And what's amazing is that Christ promised us life to the full, the life. The life is what he promises us when we wash feet and serve more than we are served. But it's not easy at all, is it? Like it's really hard on a lot of days to think of someone else before myself is not a natural thing for me. It is hard to do. It is countercultural. It's contradictory to what my heart wants to do all the time. It is a battle. And I'm selfish. I am really, really selfish. And I love being served. But I'm told that I need to serve. But the good thing is, is that Jesus again knows that we need help. He knows that we can't do this. The 11 apostles couldn't do it without help. We need help. So he gives us a gift in this life, the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, it says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Verse 26 goes on to say, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. What an amazing promise that Jesus gives to the, to the disciples, but he also for us, that he sends us help, supernatural help, the Holy Spirit. Another counselor, I, I love that Jesus doesn't say I'm replacing myself. He's like, I'm, giving, I'm doubling down. Because he tells us in, in the Great Commission, I'll be with you forever, even to the end of the age, but I'm sending you another counselor. 
And we all know what a counselor or your Bible might say a, a different term, but they apply to the Holy Spirit in every way. But a counselor is, you go pay somebody for counsel. You walk into there and say, I don't know what to do or what's going on, please help me. Or we can call an attorney a counselor because they are defending you on your behalf and you're like, I don't know how to talk to a judge, will you counsel me? And that's what the Holy Spirit is. He is our counselor, which means the one that we can go to to be led by, to get wisdom, to convict us. We're the spirit of truth, the comforter, the teacher, the leader. He will lead us. He will remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us. And ultimately, he will produce fruit. He will produce fruit. I want us to go to Galatians 5 to look at what the Holy Spirit, um, what, what he does. Verses 16 through 18. Paul's writing here, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I love that. But the question that comes to my mind that I want to ask you today is, are you surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit every day? Are you surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit every day? We're told here to walk by the Spirit. And we pray simply, surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life is simply praying, uh, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Or, Holy Spirit, lead me today. It literally just takes prayer because prayer makes me slow down and stop thinking about myself and start thinking about God's glory. Um, but even you can pray this, help me to see people the way you see people today. Or the scary one that always comes true, Lord, put someone in my path today that I can show your love to because he always seems to answer that prayer. And that's being led by the Spirit. That is asking. It is, uh, it's, it's so hard for us to comprehend, but it's so simple at the same time because he's in us. That's what we're promised and he will be in you forever. Be with you and in you, equipping every single one of us who calls on the name of Jesus because the Holy Spirit says he is our seal of salvation, our seal of salvation. So if we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us because Jesus knows we can't do what he's asking us to do on our own. In John 15, he really tells us we can't do anything apart from him. Can't do anything on our own. But here he equips us with that. And remember last, the last week of Daniel? Everything's spiritual, which means we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Everything is spiritual. So we must surrender to the Holy Spirit if we stand a chance in the fight. Because we're not powerful. We're not spiritual heavenly beings fighting that we can't see. We need the Holy Spirit. And the good news is this, if you didn't know it, the Holy Spirit is God. I just threw that up because the Holy Spirit is God. Our God is triune, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, co-equal, co-eternal, perfect love, perfect unity. Three in one. And we see in John 14 a picture Jesus says, the Father is going to send you the Holy Spirit in my name. All three working together for the ultimate glory and for our good. But the Holy Spirit is God. And later in Galatians, in the next few verses, Paul tells us what is against the work of the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. That's such a funny line. Sexual immorality, 
Moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this list here reminds us that we can settle for the flesh We can settle for these things, these sins that are natural to us, that wage war inside of us, which really, he puts selfish ambitions in the middle, but every single one of those is selfish. Every single one of those is like, I wanna do that. But, But it is all about self. It's the opposite of love. Sin is literally the opposite of love. Love is for others, sin is for self. We can either settle for these things that promise us satisfaction that are in the natural world or the opposite. We can surrender to the one in us who does the supernatural. And the supernatural we'll learn is the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. And I love one time Bob was preaching on the Holy Spirit in his class and he reminded us that it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, it's not a buffet line. He produces all of these things inside of us. You don't get to just pick one. Um, And I love that. It's always stuck with me. But here's the promise of what the Holy Spirit produces in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another. This is the life. It's not some life, it's not better than most. This is the life, the only life. And Jesus promises us that this is what I have for you. Walk in that, because that sounds amazing. I wanna hang out with that person, right? Man, like, and that's what the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent him to us to be in us to produce that. So we can either settle for what is waging war inside of us or we can walk in the spirit. And they're at war with each other at all times. And we all know that sometimes we lose battles because we are sinful. But that is where the grace of the Lord comes in. But he wants to produce that in us. So do we trust Jesus? Do you trust him that that holy list is better than the list above it? Do you trust him? Do we really trust him that this is the life that he has for us? Not some life, but the life. He goes on in John 14, 27, Jesus continues, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So what do you run to for peace? I I love like, you know we serve an almighty, all-powerful God when Jesus Christ is ours from the cross. And he's like, guys, I'm gonna give you something. Like, he has the power to give us peace in the midst of him about to die. Like, what we talked about, like, when you're anxious, when you're running on empty, when you're stressed out, Jesus is feeling all of that perfect. Like, he's not, like, sinfully anxious, which still hurts my head, Um, but Jesus is feeling the weight of this, but at the same time, he's like, I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna give you peace. And it's lasting, and it's not as the world gives, because worldly peace is a lie. If Jesus is the truth, that means anything that doesn't line up 100% with Jesus is false, which means that it is a lie. And we know this, we all know this, that list we read in Galatians, anything that we run to when we are empty or stressed or anxious 
the satisfaction will always let us down. And I think we all know that any sin that lures us or says it's good is a lie and it lets us down and it's temporary at best. And ultimately, when we seek peace and we seek happiness and we seek fulfillment from worldly things, it will let us down. I talked last week about this dry season I went in back in January when Chrissy was sick and I I made a list of things. I was like, I wanna do these every day because I know these will help me um, because I know like if I only have a certain amount of time, I wanna tell myself what I'm gonna do. Um, So I worked out every day, I journaled every day, I read my Bible every day, my Bible reading plan. Um, I counted calories or whatever. I drank a gallon of water, which was really hard to do. Um, but I, I made this list of things and I realized at the end of it, I was in a dry season because while all those were better than sinful things, I was missing out on getting on my knees and spending time with Almighty God. Like I was praying, but I wasn't praying. And I was doing these things. I was doing life hacks, which were better than other things. I wasn't eating bad. I was exercising. I felt physically good. But at the end of the day, life hacks let me down. Like all the stuff that we know is good and we should do it, but we should not do it at the expense of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I learned that the hard way because at the end of the day, whatever you run to for peace, when you are running on empty or stressed or you feel like you need to kick your feet up, whatever that is, sports, relationships, food, alcohol, television, the news, exercise, journaling, whatever it is, they're all hollow lowercase g gods every single one of them. If you look to them as your ultimate source of satisfaction, you will be let down. And it's true, but Jesus says, I give you peace. I leave, it, I leave it with you, I give it to you, and I do not give it as the world gives. Don't be anxious, don't be troubled or fearful from the guy who's about to go to the cross. We must look to him and know that. Verse 28 says this, you have heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. Jesus wins. Jesus has won. And he says that Satan is coming and it'll look, guys, like I've lost. I'm gonna die and it's gonna look like we lost. But no, no, no. He has no power over me. On the contrary, he says in verse 31, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. On the contrary, Jesus is saying, I am going to die and it's gonna look like we lost. But on the contrary, It's so the world may know that I love him and so that people would know that I am Lord is why I'm doing this. But Jesus wins. Jesus has won. And John 14, 31 sounds a lot like last week. So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. So if we do what Christ does, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. If we do what Jesus did, the world will know the truth, which is exactly what he said in John 13. If you wash each other's feet, you'll be blessed if you do it. If you love one another the way I loved you and you're obedient to the way of life that I have shown you and set an example, everyone will know. Everyone will know that you're my disciples and that I am Lord. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you another example 
On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me, which means I am being commanded to go to the cross and I'm gonna do it so that the world will know that I love the Father. And so that the world will know that we are Jesus' disciples, we must know that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. And it's a cycle, it's so cool. The more, when you trust Jesus and you trust him enough to obey him, then you see that his promises are true and that there's joy attached to it, which means that you end up loving him more because he told you the truth and he gave you exactly what he told you and he used you and he fulfilled you, which means you trust him more, which means you obey him more, which means you love him more. And every day that cycle continues and God will stretch us and ask us to walk into obedience that's harder. But when we do it, we know and we can trust him and we obey him and we love and it's a cycle. That's how he's making us into his image. He's just asking us to do what he did. Just, but he knows we can't do it. So we've been equipped with the Holy Spirit, God residing inside of me to produce fruit, to help me because there is a battle inside against, against sin and sometimes we lose it. But praise be to God that he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God is good. So today I want us all to pray, I do believe, help my unbelief because that's been my prayer this week, is I do trust you. But as we close, I know there's three types of people in here. You might be sitting in here and you do not know that Jesus is the way, but today could be your day of salvation. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He died for your sins and his blood is sufficient to pay for all your sins, no matter what you have done. And Christian, that applies to us. No matter what we have done, Jesus's blood covers those if we put our faith in him. And it's by faith that we can trust in him. So if there's someone in here and you're struggling to believe that Jesus is the way, uh, I wanna pray for you. And this altar is open if you wanna talk to anybody about that. If you wanna put your faith in Jesus Christ and know that he is the way, today can be your day of salvation. And I know there's some people in here who are struggling to trust Christ, that he is the truth. Maybe you're close. Maybe there's just something in here that you're just like, I'm wrestling with it. I don't really trust him. There's something about it. Well, good news is he already knows because he's all knowing and all powerful. And we're allowed to confess these things to him. Like, Jesus, I'm struggling with this. I don't trust this. If you read the Psalms, like David yells at God, pray, tell him, wrestle with him. Because I know if he is the truth, like that's gonna, that's gonna come out in the end that he wins and that you will grow in your trust of him and he wants a relationship with you. So if there's Christians in here or people who are just mad at God, he is the truth. Confess it, lay it at his feet. Ask for other people to pray for you. There's been times in my life where I went through serious doubt. Reading some scriptures, I'm like, God, this isn't fair. I don't trust this, I don't understand. What are you doing? And I needed people in my life, but I also knew and needed to hear from someone that you can tell that to God. You're not gonna scare him. You're not gonna scare him. Tell him that you don't trust him and ask him to reveal it to you. And it's a process, he doesn't have to fix it right now, but trust him, know that he is Lord, that he has your good in mind and his glory. The last one is this, is the life. And this is the one where I fall into this category and I'm preaching to me today. Do we really trust Jesus to know that the way he calls us to live in full obedience to everything he's asking, do you believe that that is the life? 
like the best possible life that you can live is spent washing feet and serving other people and dying for Jesus, dying for the truth that he is, because he did it. So do you trust that? Does your life look like you are obeying and loving and serving your Savior? Does it? Because I have to confess that mine does not look like that all the time. But I'm asking that the Lord would help me to fully trust that he is the life, not just eternal life today. Like putting my life aside for someone else will give me more joy and fulfillment than if I did everything about me or if everyone served me. He's literally saying, guys, you'll be happier. It's not life hacks. It's literally just surrendering to him. So today we're going to open the altar because I need to pray. So if you need to come down here and pray, if you fall into any one of those, if you need to trust Jesus as Lord and know that he is the only way to heaven, the altar is open and you can come down. If you need to pray about the truth and just confess that you're struggling with things, come on down. And Christians today, if you just need to confess your sins and know that he is the life, the altar is open. But I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna pray and worship. Lord, I need you. Jesus, I thank you that you set an example first before you ever told us to do anything. But Lord, I pray that you would help me to serve and to know that that is the life. And Lord, I pray that that would be the mark of Orlando Baptist Church, Lord, is that we all get that, that we all do know that we must, love requires other people. We must love and serve outwardly. Otherwise, it's just selfless or selfish. So Lord, I pray that you continue to soften my heart and I pray today that could be someone's day of salvation. But Lord, help us to be molded into your image, Jesus. And help us to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to ask him to lead us. Because we will lose this battle with sin if we do not. So Lord, help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open to come pray.